in the house of the Lord. Amen. What an honor it is to serve the Lord today. What an honor it is to worship Him today. Amen. Amen. We've come into His house and gathered in His name to do what? Worship Him. Amen. That's what we're here for. I want to challenge you today to continue to worship the Lord. Amen. He's worthy of all of our praise. Every bit of it and then some. Amen. That's the God you and I serve today. In the book of Psalms, chapter 42, verse 1 through 2, the Bible declares this wonderful, wonderful truth. It should be the anthem of our hearts. Amen. As children of God, it should be the anthem of our hearts. If you're here today and you're not saved, this is the longing that your soul has. Amen. Whether you've accepted it or not, this is the longing of every soul. As the deer pants, the psalmist says, for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Amen. As the deer is thirsty for the water brooks, so is my soul, God, thirsty for you. My soul thirsts for God, the Bible says, for the living God. Amen. Let us pray today. Well, praise your holy name today. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Father, because you are our God. We thank you because you are our Savior. We thank you because you are our soon-coming King. And Father, we just love you abundantly today. Our hearts today, God, truly are hungry for you, Lord. Father, our souls are truly longing for a closer relationship, a closer walk with you today. Father, I pray today, God, that no one would leave this building today not satisfied in your presence today, Lord. Father, I pray that no one leaves today, God, thirsty or hungry, Lord. For, Father, you have set the table this morning, and you are calling unto all of your children, Come unto me, all you that hunger and thirst, and you shall be filled. So, Father, in this place today, I pray, God, oh, Father, that each one of us, Lord, would just partake of that invitation, pull up to your table today, and dine with you, Lord. Oh, God, we pray that today, Father, and we ask, Lord, God, that you receive praise and glory and honor for everything that's done and said in this place today. And all God's children said, Amen. Turn and shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him you love him. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bible, want to go to Exodus chapter 20 with us. Exodus chapter 20. Put your finger on verse 18. Uh, we have a real great, great, great uh, staff in the back. They'll put this on the board for you in case you forgot your Bible or just happened to not have your cell phone with you. I don't know how you can do that in the day we live. But anyway, in case you forgot your cell phone and you don't have the Bible app, it'll be there for you, all right? So the title of this message today is Pursuing God. And as I read to you here, the psalmist here, David, writes, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God, for my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Amen? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Sister Kelly. That's what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us that our hearts should be heavenly, heavenly bound and that our, our desire should be more of Christ. Much like us getting up in the morning and desiring a glass of water, much like us getting up in the morning and wanting our favorite breakfast item, item rather, right? Uh, we should have that same desire for God. We should have an overwhelming desire, Sister Lynn, for God. Unfortunately, in the world today, I, I feel like, at least if I'm, if I'm in this same world that you're in, 
I feel like our desires for more of the things of the world than they are for the things of God. Amen? Amen? We talked about this this morning in our 180 class, right? That we, we have such a desire for something new, something different, right? And God places that in every one of us at our, at our birth, at our inception. God places desire for more in every single one of us. God's children have never been intended to be satisfied. Amen? As Pastor Damien would say, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, never be satisfied. Amen? God never expected you and I to be satisfied. In fact, I will say to you, every one of you in this room today, I think I can say this under the authority of God's word. Some of you may say, oh, no, preacher, I'm satisfied right where I'm, where I'm at. I don't believe that. I believe in every single one of us, we want more of something. Amen? You get up in the morning looking for something better, something greater, right? Because why? We are destined for something greater. Amen? Every single one of us are destined for something greater. It's what gets us up in the morning and causes us to put our feet on the ground even when we don't feel like it because we know there's something better coming. Amen? So we get up looking for it every single day. Now, we may not know what we're looking for, but we get up looking for it. Amen? You may not be conscious of it in your mind, but I can assure you today that your soul is very conscious of it. Amen? Because that soul belongs to God, and God breathed it in us, and that's why he said you are made in his image. Amen? So I know that we have that desire. And so what happens is, Satan also knows that you have that desire in you. He knows that. And so what he does is offers us a counterfeit, a substitution. He gives us something because he knows we're looking for something. And so whatever that something is, he knows we will attract ourselves or attach ourselves to it. Amen? So we got to be careful that, that we are making sure that we are chasing after the right things. Amen? And not these other things. See, what happens is, we talked about this this morning too, oddly enough, when we get satisfied with something, then we start saying, well, this is old, right? And I need something different. So rather than putting the work in to find the different, we will accept the counterfeit. Amen? When all along, we should just really put the work into I used the analogy this morning. Me and my wife, I can use her. Where's she at? Is she in here? She is. I can use her. I've, I've known her. I have been dating her for 35 years, married to her for 30 years, and I continue to date her today. Amen? I intend to go on a date with my wife today, even though we got taxes to work on. Amen, somebody? But I intend to go on a date with my wife. So it's my, it's my responsibility, not hers, to redefine our relationship. See, what happens is we say, well, you're no longer satisfying me. Amen? My wife has become old to me, or my husband has become old to me, right? And so what we do is we say, I need something different. Isn't that right? I need something refreshing, something new, something better. Well, better, new, and refreshing still lies in that woman right back there. Although I've been with her for 35 years, there are things in her life that I still don't understand that I still don't know. Praise God, I don't understand them. Amen? <laughs> and she don't understand me, right? But there's so much more to her. She's not defined just by her body or her intelligence or whatever it may be. She's much more than that. She is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. 
And because she has been fearfully and wonderfully made by God, there is so much more to her than meets the eye. The challenge is for me. It's not for me to say to my wife, you've got to do something, right? I'm, I'm, you know, same old thing every day, right? I've got to have something different. You need to get better. You need to redefine yourself. But as I said to you, that's not her responsibility, at least for, at least for my set. She's to do that for me, and I'm to do that for her. I'm supposed to redefine my desire for her, amen, and, and dig deeper and go harder and stronger and thirst and hunger for more. And if I'll do that, I'll find out more about her, amen. I will see things in her that I've never seen before. You with me? That's good advice, and that didn't cost you nothing. That ain't what we're going to talk about. We're going to turn that back around to God. But those of you in here that are in relationships, I challenge you. Get up every day and think to yourself, how can I love my wife more? How can I love my husband more? How can I learn more about them, right? we got to put that work in. Our hunger is what causes us to know more. Amen? Amen. To know more. So it's the same way with God. What happens is, is we get in there with God and we get content with God and we say, well, I know all I know to do. I've read the Bible, so I've, I've read all I need to read. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Wednesday, whatever it may be. And what happens? We get content with God. And next thing you know, we quit going to church on Sunday morning, but we go on Wednesday. Or then we stop going on Sunday and Wednesday. Or maybe we go Sunday and Wednesday, but we're on a small group we quit going to. But eventually what happens is we quit pursuing God, amen, and we start turning to something else. That's no longer satisfying me. The worship team sings the same songs over and over again. The preacher basically preaches the same message over and over again. Right? The, the carpet never changes in the church. The climate, the temperature never changes, right? Whatever it may be, we start coming up with other excuses as to why the church never satisfies me anymore. God, you just don't satisfy me anymore. So what happens is we start turning our attention toward these other things that are catching our eye. Amen? You with me? Satan is a silver-tongued little devil, amen? He will offer you what looks like exactly what you need, but not telling you you'll wake up with a headache in the morning, amen? Worse than that, you'll wake up in a place you can't get out of again, amen? He'll have you so wrapped up in those things that you don't even know how you got there. What would happen if we did what David said here? David said, my soul panteth for you, Lord. Can you, can you grasp that? David, when he got up in the morning, he had such a hunger for God that he was so thirsty and so hungry for God that his heart just panted. Amen? You ever had a heart palpitation in here? Raise your hand. Right, amen. Most, most all of us have, right? You're sitting around and you have that one, you go, oh, is this it? Right? Is this it? Or maybe the first time you saw your wife or your, or your soon-to-be husband, your heart skipped a beat. Amen? David said, when I think about you, God, my heart skips. Amen? I mean, I just get overwhelmed, and, and, my, and I got to have more of you. How many of us have that kind of desire for God? Amen? I have got, I, God, I can't do anything else until I get more of you. Lord, I know this about you, but I need to know more about you. See, God is an infinite God. He is a God that is so vast. In fact, the writer of Isaiah Isaiah himself said, God said his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. You're never going to figure him all out because he just keeps revealing more and more of himself to you. 
He's so big and so vast and so great and so knowledgeable and so awesome and so loving and so kind and so joyful and all these things that all you and I have done, if you've served the Lord all your life, if you've served the Lord here for 50 years, all we've done, you know the most scratch and sniff stickers we used to have as kids? All we've done is just scratch the surface. You know how it is you smell that strawberry and you go, that smells just like a strawberry, right? So you scratch the surface. But there ain't nothing like holding that strawberry in your hand and taking a great big old bite of it and saying, that don't just smell like one, that is one. Amen? You with me? Well, see, that's the way it is with God. All we've done is scratch the surface. But there's so much more than that, right? He said, come and dine. Amen? Don't just come and smell. Don't just come and enjoy the aroma. See, y'all can look at me and tell. I don't like to just, I didn't get all this by smelling. <laughs> Amen, somebody? I mean, I walk in, it smells good to me, but I don't walk out going, man, that was so good. Man, that, that stuff smells so good. But I'm going to leave just as hungry as I did when I walked. In fact, I'm going to be hungrier or more hungry for you English majors than I did before I walked in. Amen? Because now I got a, a smell of what it is. My taste buds know that smell, and now my taste, my mind equates the smell to the taste, and I can almost taste it, and I'm starting to water, my mouth's watering, and I walk out there going, man, I wish I'd had some of that, <laughs> right? And I go satis get satisfied for the dollar menu at McDonald's, right? But here's the thing. I, don't, I didn't just get this way smelling it. I have had to eat something, amen? So I got a hunger and a desire for something. I smelled the aroma, and then what did I do? I'm going to go a little further. I'm going to dive in and see what this tastes like. Oh, boy, listen, guys, get a hold of yourself. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Amen. He didn't say smell him and see if he's good. He didn't say look at him and see if he's good. Brother Tony, he said taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Amen. I believe that's in Psalm 38. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. God wants you and I to just walk up to Him and take a great big old bite out of Him. Amen? Because He knows that much like Lay's potato chips, you can't eat just one. Amen? You can't take just one bite, uh, Sister Loggins, of God and walk away from Him. If you've ever tasted of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you've ever tasted of the salvation of God, you will not walk away from it. Amen? And if you do, you're going to want to come back. I've learned when the Krispy Kreme hot now sign comes on, baby, there is something in me that says thou shalt not pass Krispy Kreme when the hot and now sign is on. Amen? Y'all with me? And I ain't just going to get one preacher. I'm going to get a dozen. Amen? A do and if I got a coupon, two dozen. <laughs> Amen? Because I know my wife likes to eat them too. Right? See, there's the beauty of it. If I taste of God and eat of God, Everybody else around me, guess what? Gets hungry too. Because they see what we got and they want that too. Amen? Yeah. See, that's the, that's the program I'm on. <laughs> so if she eats, I eat. Amen, somebody. Huh? You with me? So our pursuit of God is what we have to desire. That's what's missing in the heart of the church today. And in a lot of our, our, our hearts, we're the church, right? And David said, Lord... My heart, as the deer pants for the water brooks, as he is thirsty for the, or she is thirsty for the water brooks, so pants my soul after you. Can you imagine what that did to the heart of God? Can you see why David was a man after God's own heart? Amen? Could you imagine when David said, Lord, 
As them deer that you made pants without water, but God, I pant for you the same way. Can you imagine God's heart when he said that? Huh? It had to just... What happens when you and I hunger for God like that? Man, he gets so excited about it. And what he does is he don't just sit back on his throne, guys, and say, oh, yeah, just pour it on me. Feed me them grapes like you see old Caesar, right? He's not sitting back. Somebody fan me. They're loving on me. What happens when you do that to God? When he sees your hunger, he said, you shall be filled. How are you going to be filled? He's going to feed you, amen? When you start searching for God and you start hungering for God, you will move the heart of God. And when you move the heart of God, God's going to get up and run to you, amen? That's the way it works. Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. Meaning, if you look for me and start walking to me, I'm going to bring the buffet to you, amen? See, that's the great thing about it. If I could get Chick-fil-A to understand that when I wake up in the morning and I think about them chicken minis, and I have a hunger for them. Wouldn't it be great if the doorbell went off and you opened the door and they said, I'm here? Huh? Wouldn't that be good? Huh? Think about it. Brute, my favorite thing, Dairy Queen, peanut butter parfait. What if every time I thought about one of them things and had a hunger, and I'm telling y'all, I'll covet one of them. I mean, I'm breaking the law of God over a peanut butter parfait. But could you imagine if you really had a longing for one of them? And you just said, gosh, i got to get me one of them. And then that doorbell goes off and that person's standing there and the angels and cherubims are singing around them because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> look, that lady at the Dairy Queen, every time I look at her, she's got a halo. And there's songs like, ooh. <laughs> and when I reach out and grab that thing, I'm, I, God brings me on a whole nother level. <laughs> Amen? Y'all with me? Yeah. Same way with him. When you and I hunger and thirst for God, he gets up and he brings it to you. Amen? And he says, oh, come and dine, amen? Come and eat. Eat, stay as long as you want to stay, amen? Just keep eating. Guys, if you don't get nothing else out of this message today, keep eating, amen? Never get up from the table. Never let your hunger be, be, be curbed, right? We all try to curb our hunger in this world today. But with God, he wants you obese in him, amen? It's the only time you can hear somebody say, oh, boy, you look good, fat, amen? But in God... It's a good thing, amen? Skinniness with God means you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, amen? Spiritually speaking, we ought to be all overweight in God, amen? We ought to just be sitting there eating because he's going to keep bringing it as long as you want it, amen? Uh, what was that? Old, I think Red Lobster's got that endless shrimp dinner. As long as you can eat them, they're bringing them, right? And I think to myself, I'm going to eat a bunch of them. I'm going to eat a bunch of them because it's going to cost me $50 to begin with. I don't know that I eat $50 worth of shrimp, but I'm giving it my all when I go. <laughs> Amen? But with God, he'll just keep throwing it out there. He'll keep putting it out there as long as you want it. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, keep eating. Keep eating. So in Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to paraphrase some of this because I want to get to chapter 20. But in Exodus chapter 19, the Bible declares to us that the children of Israel, on the third month that they were, that they were taken out of the land of Egypt, they found themselves in a desert area outside of Sinai. And the Bible goes on to say that, that God spoke to Moses and he tells Moses there, he said, Moses, I want, you to, I want you to bring the people out. He said, but I don't want you to bring them up to the mountain. I don't want them to touch the base of the mountain. I don't want them to go up to try to get up to where I'm at because his presence would have consumed them in the state that they were in. So he says, then I want you to bring them out. And he said, then I want you to come up here and I'm going to talk to you. And he said, on the third day, the trumpet's going to blast a long sound. And when that sound happens, 
have the children of Israel come to the base of the mountain. And he said, I'm going to speak to you up on top of that mountain. And they're going to hear that voice audibly. And from that day forward, they're going to know that I'm with you, right? They'll respect you and they'll honor you as their leader. But don't let them walk up here to where I'm at, right? Because it will consume them. So Moses goes on and tells them that in chapter 19. And God tells them, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. If you'll obey me, then I'm going to take good care of you. And the people said, they said to Moses, go tell God, we're going to do that thing. Okay. Amen? So they go and do that. And God tells them on, in chapter 20, when you pick it back up, Moses goes back up to the top of the mountain, talks to God there. And then Moses, or God tells Moses, I want you to go down and I want you to get Aaron, your brother. And I want you to get the priest. And I want you to bring them up here. And then God, or Moses says to God, wait a minute. You said if I bring these people up here that you're going to destroy them. I love what God said. He said, away. <laughs> away, Moses. Get on down there and get them, right? He said, go sanctify the people. Go sanctify them. Three days. He said, on the third day, I want you to bring them close. And when they hear that sound of the long trumpet, he said, I'm going to speak to you out of the mountain. And they could come near to the mountain. But don't touch the base and don't come up it. So this is where the story is. This is what I want to pick up on here with Moses and the children of Israel as they hear this sound. So the Bible says in chapter 20 of verse 18 that all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise and the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. When they saw God's presence moving, they stood afar off. And they said to Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. See, they had... They had done what God said. Uh, they had sanctified themselves, or should have. Now they're at the base of this mountain. They hear the trumpet sound and that long blast. And then they, they find themselves at the foot of the, at the mountain. And they're watching and hearing God's presence as it consumes the mountain and consumes Moses. And it caused them great fear. And we picked this up and they said to him, to Moses, said, you speak to God and then just come speak to us. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said in verse 20, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that this fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Underline that in verse 21. You need to go back and get that sometime. The people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. See, we're talking about the presence of God and pursuing God, and there are reasons we do not draw nigh to God. The children of Israel here, when His presence began to move, and when God began to speak, when they began to feel God's presence, the Bible says that the children of Israel removed themselves, stood afar off, and said, don't, don't let God talk to us, Moses. You, you talk to us. And Moses went on and walked up into the thick darkness. There are reasons why you and I, don't draw near to God. The first thing here when you look at the children of Israel is their lack of relationship, right? Spending time getting to know God because, because we don't know Him, we run from Him, right? Our lack of relationship with God, our lack of taking time to get to know Him. And because we don't know Him, we run from Him. When God says, come and dine, I can satisfy that need that you have in your heart. When He says, just come, Come, right? And because we don't know Him, because we haven't taken time with Him, because we don't understand all things, what do we do? We run. I've often told people, if you're ever in a service when the presence of God begins to move, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to find yourself running to God or running from God. Amen? Those that know Him, right? He said, my sheep know my voice. Those that have a hunger for Him, they're going to be drawn to God and they're going to run to God. But those who don't know Him, right, or who haven't took the time to get to have that relationship 
are going to turn and go the other way. The children of Israel here, because of their lack of relationship with God, you think, how is it possible that the children of Israel didn't have a relationship with God? Great question. Let me ask you the church today. How is it that we call ourselves Christians and we don't have a relationship with God? Amen? See, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is of Him according to the Bible. Even though we are numbered in the camp, it does not mean that we are numbered in the camp. Amen? We can be on a roll in church, but if your name is not on the roll in heaven, it don't matter. Amen? Remember what they say? When the roll is called up yonder. Come on, somebody. Somebody get the rug board and spoons? Y'all know what I'm talking about. When that roll is called up yonder, right? If your name's not there, that's what matters. Okay? So not everybody that's called of God knows God. Not everybody in church knows God. Not everybody that wears a t-shirt that says Christian knows God. Not everybody that has a fish on the back of their car knows God. Not everybody has a Gethsemane sticker knows God. Amen? Not everybody knows Him. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will know Him. Amen? They'll know Him. See, here's the other thing that you're not going to hear me say a whole lot of in the, in the physical sense. When it's time to eat, I'm not going to snack. Amen? Y'all with me? Y'all ever watch Shark Week? When they drop that big old piece of meat in the water, y'all know the frenzy that takes place? Them sharks are eating that stuff, man, tearing it apart, biting each other, right? I mean, it's just an awful sight. That's what it looks like around my house. When it's time to eat, right? I love y'all. If y'all come to eat with me, it's not pretty. Because I love you. I'm going to eat, and it's not going to be pretty. Right? So... It's not snack time, it's supper time. Amen, somebody? Right? But see, what's happening in the world, in fact, we teach this physically, and it's good physically, I guess. We'll say, now look, just eat a lot of small meals. Don't eat big meals. Eat a lot of small meals. Drink a lot of water, and you lose a lot of weight. And that's true. Right? But see, with Mark, it don't, I, again, I don't get that, right? So when I sit down, if you put something in front of me, and it looks like one little teaspoon of that, and one little teaspoon of that, and a half of this, I'm just going to get ill. And what I wind up doing is eating six of them little things. Right? They say, well, get, get your portion smaller. That's great. But I just buy three TV dinners. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not going to eat. That, that little snacking isn't going to help you survive. Amen? You've got to have certain things. And so when you sit down, my mom always, now this is how I was raised. When we sat down to eat, there was a meat on there. And there was two or three starches, amen, not one, and you had a vegetable, right? And then there was dessert afterwards, always at my mama's house, always. So that's the way I was raised. Now, you might have been raised that way, but when I sit down to eat, that's what I'm looking for, right? When you tell me it's breakfast, it's lunch, it's supper, I'm thinking about spread. I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about a, 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 a snack, Right? Man, I sat down at some places and with some people, I'm going to call no names, and they invite you to dinner, and you sit down, and they sit in front of you, and you're like, oh, these are the hors d'oeuvres. They're no, no, this is the entree. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I have went out to eat after leaving somebody's house. <laughs> have you done that? Don't raise your hand, because they may be in here. But I have done that. Amen? Right? Because I didn't come to snack, I came to eat. Guys, listen to me. The children of Israel this day 
They came to snack. All they were there for is to see the noise, the commotion, what was going on, right? They wanted to see God, but they didn't want to know God. Amen? You with me? Moses, it said, he turned and did what? Ran up in there, right? Right where God was. Now, they couldn't do that, but they sure could have stayed right where they were, and they could have heard and seen. And here's the thing. The residue that was coming off of that mountain gets on them. If you eat with me, scraps are coming. Amen? I'm going to eat, and it, you just catch them as they're flying. You with me? That's why them sharks stay around them other sharks because they'll do all the work and all they can do is sit back and dine. Amen? You with me? Guys, look. That's the church today is shriveling up and all we're doing is snacking on Jesus. But he said, come and dine. When the church gets hungry enough for God to come and eat and dine at his table rather than snacking, listen, this is not the parable in the, in the story where he said, where the lady said, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. God's intent is never for you and I to eat crumbs. God's intent is for you to sit at the table and dine. Eat until you are filled. Amen. You with me? Now that lady there, it's a whole different story, what she was doing, but it was never God's intent for her to do that. In fact, later, she dined. Amen. We may be snacking now, but God wants us to dine in Him. Amen to dive into Him and to be filled in Him. And to do that, we've got to have a relationship. We've got to have a desire to know Him, a desire to be close to Him and understand Him, right? Another reason why we don't draw near to God is our lack of preparation. When He shows up, we're not ready spiritually. Amen? Our lack of preparation. He said, Moses, I want you to sanctify the people three days. So Moses takes them down there, and Moses does what he's supposed to do, but who really is responsible for sanctification? They are, amen? He can tell them what they're supposed to do. He can tell them what the law says. He can say, now go and sanctify yourselves, cleanse yourself, prepare yourself, because the presence of the Lord is going to show up this day, amen? When you and I come in the house of God, we should be prepared. Amen? You shouldn't need somebody to stand up. And I shouldn't need somebody to stand up here and say, Come on, get your hands out of your pockets. Raise your hands and praise God. We shouldn't have to have somebody say, Get that old ugly frown off your face. Right? You hear these guys sometimes saying, We look like we're in a morgue. Right? Worship God. Right? Cheerleaders. We need rah, 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 pom-poms and all that. If we come to the house of God prepared, ain't nobody going to have to cheer us. Amen? You with me? Right? When you get ready to go eat, you don't need somebody to tell you how to eat. You just need somebody to bring it to you. Amen? You come prepared to eat. Isn't that right? So it's the same way here. Their lack of preparation caused them to draw back from God. When, we, when you and I aren't prepared, we're going to draw away from God. Because when His presence really shows up, we're not in position to approach Him in our minds and in our hearts. Amen? You with me? So... Prepare. Be ready when you come in the house of God. You know, in the Old Testament, had they had, let's just use the priest. If the priest would have approached the throne room of God and not prepared the way God told him, do you know he would have died? We have been living under grace for over 2,000 years. Because of what Jesus did, you and I can boldly approach the throne of God. We can pull up to the table of God with dirty hands. Come on, somebody. We don't have to clean. My mama would have smacked me in a, like John McEnroe if I didn't wash my hands before I came to the table. Right? But we approach God's table on Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout the week with dirt on our hands. 
not prepared. Right? And we think we're getting away, from, away with it because God don't strike us dead in the house of God like He used to in the Old Testament. But I can assure you that if we continue to live dirty lives and we never get our lives prepared or our hands clean, there's coming a time of death when we stand before the great white, great white throne judgment. Amen? God hasn't changed. The difference is Jesus. That's it. The only reason why you and I don't get struck dead or smacked like my mama when you approach God's table with unclean hands is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen? Like my mama, there's been sometimes that my dad, when he was there, or my sister, right, would say, what? No, Mama, don't, he didn't know. Isn't that right? He just didn't know. I did, but she'd say I didn't know. And Jesus does the same thing, right? When God sees us approaching his table with unclean hands, right, walking up to what he has prepared for us, showing that lack of disrespect or that lack of respect, he wants to get up and take the belt off. God hasn't changed, guys. The Bible said he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he hated sin then, guess what? He still hates it today. Amen? Y'all with me? Come here, Brother Damien. Let me just show you what happens. Here's what happens. Stand right there. On that. Yeah, don't get too close to me. You come up with me. Yeah. All right, so you can turn around and look at this. So here's what happens. So uh, come here, Noel. So you're going to eat, right? You walk from that aisle right by there and walk up here like you're about to eat, right? From right there, like at, like at our house, like you're going to eat, right? You come on up here, right? So you're, you're approaching the throne, and let's say you haven't washed your hands, right? I'm going to stand up just like my mama would and say, you better get to that bathroom, clean them hands before you touch my food, right? So I'm going to get up, but what the difference is, is this guy right here, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get you for doing that, but this fella says, Hang on a minute, right? For, for they know not, she don't know what she's doing. Father, forgive her, right? For she knows not what she's doing. Amen, you with me? It's the only difference. Do you understand what grace, that's grace. I just gave it to you, right? Or mercy, grace and mercy. We live in grace, and because we live under grace, there's mercy. But it does not mean God says it's okay. Right? It's only because of Jesus. That's it. But Jesus is doing that because he wants to give us time to go wash our hands. See, so here's what Jesus said. He don't tell you to eat, though. He just says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what, let me, let me teach them. Come on, guys. Let me teach them. Son, you need to go wash your hands before you approach my Father's throne. Oh, come on, guys. Huh? You with me? You see what I'm saying? And Jesus says, let me, let me show you, right? He takes him by the hand and walks into the bathroom. He gets his hands clean and walks back. And guess what now? Jesus said, Father, I want you to meet Brother Damien. He's, he's clean and washed in the blood of the Lamb. He is in a position to dine. And you know what God says? Welcome. Come and dine. Amen? Come and dine. So... The reasons we do not draw near to God is our lack of relationship, our lack of preparation. And I love this. Our desire for things of the world, as I said to you earlier, are greater than the things that are in our desire for Him, rather. We'll just keep the status quo. In it, in, in, let me give you an illustration of that. The children of Israel did it. I don't know if you caught it. They said, Moses, we like things the way they are. 
See, that scares us to get close to God. He scares us. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. So, you know what? I'm just used to church as normal. So, Moses, you just keep talking to God and let him, you speak, let him talk to you and then you just tell us what he says. I love y'all, but I don't want you talking to God for me. I want to talk to him. I got questions. Amen for God. And no due respect, you don't know the answer to those questions. I don't know them either. Maybe you do. But I know one. He knows. Amen. He knows. That's right. God knows. But they said, oh, you know, just, just let's just keep it like it is. Right? Their desire for the things of this world, the way things operate in this world, was greater than the things of God and how they operate in His world. Amen? We should have such a desire for more of God that this world has no effect. Amen? See, what's happened is, as Sister Elsie's teaching us, we have tolerated unclean hands so much that we believe that that is just the way. That there's not a better way. God was trying to show the children of Israel there's a better way. Amen? You don't have to just stay in the wilderness. Church, you ain't got to just stay in the wilderness. You can approach the throne of God. That picture of Sinai, God high and lifted up. Moses is a type and a shadow of Christ. And us at the throne of God, right? Down at the bottom of that mountain is a depiction of us at the throne room of God. Amen? At the bottom of the cross, if you will. That's our place at the bottom of the cross. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? That's where we're supposed to be. And as God speaks to him... He speaks to us. Amen. Jesus. You with me? That, that's it. Our place is not to be separated from God, but to be with God. God never intended for himself to be separated from us. We did that. Sin did that. Unclean hands does that. God's not going to come around that which is not clean. He's not going to do it, right? Sin and righteousness cannot stand. You with me? We are trying to coexist sin and righteousness in the world we live, calling it justice, unification of the church. Whatever it is you want to call it, God calls it compromise. Amen? And tolerance. But if we're going to be who we're supposed to be with God, He said, come out from among them. Be separate. For He said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood amen a holy nation that's what God said amen you are his children and he is our God and that what he said <laughs> right huh you with me so our pursuit of God has got to be it has to be passionate fiery but it also has to be done with great preparation and the preparation is simple it's right here. I'm going to read it to you this way. I believe it is in, I get this always mixed up. Uh, I believe it's uh, Chronicles 7 and 14, where he said, If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, he said, Then will I hear from heaven and will what? Heal their land and he'll forgive our sins. The preparation is simple. Turn. Amen. It's the first thing you got to do. Quit being satisfied with snacking on Jesus 
and turn to Jesus. Amen? You with me? Turn from the world and turn to God. Quit eating at Satan's table and start dining at God's table. Amen? See, <laughs> oh boy. Satan's table, in Mark's eyes, is filled with wheat bread. And it's filled with, I can't believe it ain't butter. Right? But at God's table, there's big old fat yeast rolls with honey butter. Amen, somebody? See, that stuff you eat at Satan's table is just rough and tough, and there ain't no nutrients in it. See, when you eat at God's table, this is how I equate everything. Y'all know that. Sunbeam bread, king thin, baby. You make a tomato sandwich, don't make it on no wheat or light Hellman's. You get some king thin sunbeam and some Duke's real mayonnaise. Amen, somebody. Uh, I'm going to have y'all shouting on Duke's mayonnaise in a minute, huh? And you get you a fresh tomato, not no, not look, not not no hot house tomato. I'm talking about one right out the field. You slice that better boy, hey, amen. Better boy, cause they big enough. One slice will do you. You cut that thing right, peel that skin off somebody. I gotta have that skin off. Sit that thing on there and get you some Morton salt, not that no salt stuff. You get some Morton salt on there, and get you some fresh ground, fine ground black pepper. And you eat that thing, and I'm going to tell you what heaven is. When you bite into that thing, and you chew that up, and you swallow it, and that sunbeam bread still stuck to the roof of your mouth. And look, baby. It don't get no better. Amen? Right? Right? See, we have been lulled to sleep by substitutes. But the real thing, you know when you eat it. Amen? What do people say? If it tastes good, spit it out. But look, with Jesus, if it tastes good, keep on eating. Amen? Amen. Keep on dining. See, we need the real thing. We don't need the substitute. We don't need the snacks, and we don't need this nutritional. Man, we need to get filled in God. Amen? Amen. We need to get so much of Him in us that you can't get Him off. Amen? See, that's the thing. I get my finger and get that stuff off. My tongue can't get it off. (laughs) Amen? You know you eating good when you've got to take your finger and put it in there and scratch it off. Amen? We need to get so much of God on us that you can't shake it off. Amen? That it gets on us so much. See, that's why God would anoint them kings and prophets in the Old Testament. And He would anoint them from the top of their head. And it wasn't some little dabble do you like we do today. They had a horn of oil. And that thing was filled with the oil of God. And they would pour that fresh aroma over on that king or that prophet. Right? And it would run from the top of their head down their beard all the way down. And baby, they couldn't get it off. Amen? The more they rubbed, the slicker they got. Amen? And that's, that's the beauty of it with God, right? He gets so much on you that Satan can't stick to you. Amen? If you get enough of God on you, gosh, Lee, I wish I had, I wish I was preaching to somebody. If you can get enough of God in you, you get hungry enough for God, and you go down to his table, and he just starts pouring it on you, right? You can't get it off of you, but you know it's good, and you want some more of it, and Satan can't grab a hold of you. You're like that old greasy pig at the fair. Amen? You can't get a hold of that dude, right? <laughs> Amen, somebody. That other stuff just, whoop, it's just you got him. But with God, you can't do it. Amen? <laughs> oh, boy, Lord of mercy. Isn't God good, huh? 
we got to pursue and be hungry for God. We can't just snack on Jesus. Amen? For goodness sakes, church, let's cleanse our hands. Amen? Look, my mama knew before I ever walked in there. I don't know how mamas know that stuff. God gives them some kind of mother instinct or something. I don't know what it is. Right? I mean, I can do everything. I can take my hand and I could wash the... Now, look, I don't know why I would have taken the time to wash the back of my hand if I were going to... But you know how we are as kids? Defiant, right? Just like we are with God. God said do this and we go, well, I'm just going to do a little of it. I'll do half of it and that'll be good enough, right? Like God ain't going to know you didn't do the whole thing. Right? Mamas know the same thing. We'll take time and wash our little hand on the top of our, or go in there. I used to do this. I grabbed the soap and I just touch it like that right there and wash it off my cat. And so when my mama asked me, have you washed your hands? I didn't have enough sense to know that she was going to say, well, let me see them. I just thought, she said, you washed them? I said, yeah, mama, right here. I'd put them right up to her nose so she could smell it. She said, she'd grab them like it and pull them back. And she said, boy, get out there and wash your hands. Right? But we do that as a church to God, right? God said do this and we just do a little of it thinking that's enough. But you got to do it all, right? He's going to look and see if your hands are clean. And he's going to know it whether you tell him or not. When you approach his table, the first question he's going to ask is, are your hands clean? Right? And he knows and you know that they're not. You with me? As a church, in our pursuit of God, we must not overlook the first step as cleanse your hands. Because if you never cleanse your hands, you're never going to be able to eat at his table. Right? Never. Never going to be able to eat at his table. Never going to have an opportunity to do so. So that's the first step we have to do. Because see, here's the sad part. The deception of Satan is so great that the world can't even tell the church from the world anymore. Amen? See, we have gotten so programmed. I'm going to get back on food. We've gotten so programmed on all this substitutions of food that we don't even know what the real thing looks like anymore. Right? And I'm not saying, you don't leave out there saying, I preach it against diet, and I'm not, because I'm going to diet myself. I know it don't look like it, but I am. But what I'm saying is, is you know, what happens is, is we, we're, on, we're on substitution so long that we don't even, we can't recognize what's real anymore when it's in front of us. Right? The church is the same way. There's, there's been a substitute of the church. Right? Jesus said, he really gives a great depiction of, of, I guess, of a dining room and a dining table that looks good, but it's not real. My mother used to have a bowl of fruit when I was a kid, and it was fake. But it would sit on the table, and it looked real from a distance until you got up on it, right? And, you, and I used to pull stuff off of it all the time. I'd get in trouble, I'd lose it, you know, so there was little grapes, you know, especially the grapes. That thing looked like somebody had been eating them, you know, because I'd have them off of it. But it looked real. I mean, people walked in, they, you know, if somebody was truly hungry, from a distance, they'd run to it thinking, I'm going to get me one of them apples. But once you get up on it, and you touch it, smell it, you know it ain't real. And see, that's the way the church is starting to look to the world. From a distance, it looks like the church. Right? I mean, they're playing music. They're, they're speaking some scriptures. They're, they're, they're doing all these things. But when they get in there and they come to dine too because they, you know, people are hungry. 
regardless of what you think and I think, the world's still hungry for Jesus. In fact, I would say to you they're more hungry now than ever before. The, rea- the problem is, is they've been fooled so many times that they don't want to be fooled anymore. So they just continue eating what they're eating. Right? They just say, well, you know, I've tried that over there and I've tried that over there and it ain't no different than what I'm eating here. Can I get a witness? Right? What, what they're serving at that church is no different than what I'm eating at the club on Saturday night. It's no different than what I'm, than what I'm eating on Monday or Tuesday. Right? So why do I take my time to go down there when I can get the same thing right here where I'm at? You with me? There's no, there's no, and so Jesus said to the Pharisees in the New Testament that they were that. They were, they were a substitute. It looked like a restaurant. It looked like a place where you should come and dine. It, I mean, everything was being said right. Right? There was even an aroma, right? There's an aroma to the, to the church that's not serving God. It ain't a sweet smell that's reaching his nostrils. Right? It's a stench smell of sin. But there's still aroma. Right? Popcorn and burnt popcorn both have aroma. Unless you like burnt popcorn like I kind of do. The aroma will turn you away. Right? The, the, the bad smell, but the good smell is what draws you. But there's a smell. He said to him, he said, the church of that day, the Pharisees, he said, you guys remind me of sepulchers. You look like the church. Right? He said... You're white and clean on the outside. And see, how many of us today got up, put our Sunday clothes on, did our hair, our makeup, whatever we had to make sure our ties were written, whatever was going on. We got our outside looking like the church. Jesus said, you, you, you look good. You look like what, my, what I tell people my church should look like. But inside, he said... You're full of dead men's bones. There's no life in there. Amen? It's an artificial basket of fruit inside the dining room. See, I don't want our church to be known as a church that has a dining room only with artificial food on the table that you can't eat, right? My mom would say, don't touch it. Right? Don't touch it. But it looks so good, you want to touch it. But she said, don't touch it. And that's what's happening. We're telling people, come on in. Come on in, right? Come, come, dine. Come. Whoa, let's don't go no further than right there. Right there now, right? We, we don't want God to really wake up here. right? We, we just want to worship until we feel good, right? We want, to, we want to leave, get a few goosebumps, a little hair stand up a little bit, laugh a little bit. But we don't, we don't want to wake God up too much because he'll come in here and we won't be, able to, we won't be in control anymore, right? We don't want you to come up here and dine. Don't mess with it. Looks, it's just for looks. Golly, y'all. The church today is not just for looks. We're not here just to look good. We're not here to so people can walk in and say, boy, they look good, and that's a great church. It looks good. If they don't feel the presence of God, what are we doing? Amen. We want people to come in and we want to say, come and dine. Amen. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right? That's what we should be doing. I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture here. If you're able to stand, stand with me this morning. 
You don't have to close your eyes and bow your head. You can if you'd like. But just have a holy reverence here. I felt God's presence from the time we pulled on the property this morning. In fact, before I ever got here. God is calling to His church, come and dine. Amen? Come and dine. Worship, praise, praise, seek. Amen? Dine. Here's what He's saying to the church today. Church, you at Gethsemane, all of us here today, this church around the world, but just for us here under the sound of my voice today. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? They shall be filled. Blessed, He said, are they. Blessed. He says you're blessed if you hunger and thirst. Right? If you have a hunger and thirst for Him, He said you are a blessed person because you can be filled. It's when you don't feel that you need to eat and that you need to drink of God that you need to worry. Amen? When you can't eat and drink physically, that's when you should worry. When you've lost your appetite and you cannot eat, when you've lost your ability to drink, your body's not going to get the nutrients it needs to continue to live. This is why Jesus said, you are blessed if you have a hunger and a thirst for Him because if there's a hunger, it means He's calling you. Amen? He is asking you to come and dine. He's saying to you, you have an invitation. If you're not hungry and thirsting, you don't have an invitation. But if you're hungry and thirsting, He's saying, come. Amen? And so many times, God gives that invitation and, and makes a place. He spends all that time preparing. And He says, come, Brother Ron. And we walk away and turn our back to the invitation. Ignoring what God has done through His Son, Jesus. Amen? Man, come and die. Amen? If you're here today and you felt God grab your heart today and you feel a hunger and a thirst for Him, come and die. Amen? Find you a place around here. I promise you, you'll be filled. Amen? You won't leave here hungry like you came in here. You won't leave dry and parched, right? You won't leave um, just, just, just dehydrated from the world. You'll be refreshed and bathed in the presence of Jesus. Amen.